Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today, how do you break the news? Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Seth Nelson with my good friend, Pete Wright. It's going to be a tough conversation today, Pete, because we're talking about how do you tell your friends and family what you're about to go through? Oh, man, this is like this is dodgeball all over again. I'm in fifth grade and I did you get picked last, Pete? Yes, I see it. (laughs) All right. I know I opened the door, but I'm going to close it again. This is very uncomfortable. I thought you'd have a good arm, though. You seem to me like a guy with a good arm with it. Like, maybe not the defense, but offense you had. It. No, I it, pick Pete. He can take it in the face. That's what I. That's what I heard. That was my slogan. We are. We're talking about what you're. What you're experiencing is you're getting a divorce. How do you tell your parents and your family and what does the experience look like? Because I have to imagine there are a lot of people on the verge, standing on that ten meter board, saying, "Oh my goodness!" Part of the reason I can't jump is I just don't want to deal with the family. Oh, it is rough. And I actually, I talked to my mom about this and I told her I was actually considering having her as a guest on the show. Oh, that would be great. No, no, no. See, my girlfriend wisely said, you better talk to her first to figure out what she's going to (laughs) say. You don't get to pre-interview your mom. (laughs) Well... (laughs) Well, then she's not coming on the show. I'm telling you now. So we talked about a little bit about how grandparents and there aren't really rights and all that stuff. So previously, the hardest thing about telling your family, in my view, is how they're going to respond. Most people view the world as how does it impact them? And then they will push that out onto you. So one thing is not just how do you tell them, but it's what do you tell them? Okay. All of this is suddenly coming very clear to me, if I may. When we talk about the fact that there are no rights for grandparents and aunts and uncles and all of those those sort of relationships, when you get a divorce, you have you continue to have a determination of rights with your kids, right? But what you're doing, so you're not you're you're changing that relationship you're not taking anything away from from you but when you talk about extended family you are actually changing something that they can't get back you're taking something away from them that they can't get back and that is hard for yeah ever in their conversation right forever in their conversation moving forward will always be when they're making plans family plans it's now not just, oh, we got to check in to see if you're available. It's, Seth, do you have Kai? Yeah. If not, can you get Kai? And there's all those dynamics. But I think even before you get there, right, is are they going to be disappointed in you? Are they going to think that they did something wrong in raising you? Like, oh, my God, you're the only one in our family to get a divorce. What do we do wrong? Yeah, you right. can't, you can't, you don't, you don't keep your promises. You made an oath. Like, where, where did we lose you in the values, morals road? Exactly. Also, it's always going to be jumping into the very difficult question of why. And 
most of these conversations are difficult because people don't tend to explain what they need from their friends and their family. So instead of getting into why and who's to blame, a different way to approach this is this is what's going on in my life. I am going through a divorce. I assure you I've done everything I could to make this marriage work for me, for my spouse, and especially for the kids if you have them. But here's what I need from you while I go through this process. And you make a request to your friends and your family about what you need. You know how you always talk about bridezilla when you get married? It's like, yeah, right. Okay. Literally, this can almost be the opposite. It's, this is what I need. This isn't my special day and I get it the way I want. I'm telling you emotionally, this is what I need from you when I go through this. So I pulled some friends who have gone through divorces. Oh, excellent. And talked to them about what they experienced with their friends and family. The big thing that I got, the big takeaway I got is if they haven't gone through it, they just don't understand. And if they've gone through it, they might understand, but then they might want to relive their divorce. Like, oh yeah, I did that, but my husband was worse. He did this. that natural sort of human tendency to make it about you, like you said. Like suddenly, exactly the, the way I support you is by telling you about how hard I had it. Right. So here are some things that you might want to ask your parents, your relatives, your friends not to do. Do not be totally angry at the other spouse. Don't put gas on the fire. Okay, it's not necessarily helpful to say, oh, yeah, he's the problem. Right. 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 Not not helpful. And and it, I would imagine incredibly difficult not to do, because how do you know what to do with an emotion when you're a uh, grandparent, a parent, and you actually like the former spouse? That's another flip side is don't necessarily the best answer is don't take sides. You're, you're supportive. And obviously everyone's like, well, you have to take sides. No, I am going to support you. And if maybe you need financial help during the divorce, maybe you need emotional help. Maybe you need me to pick up the kids more. Maybe you need a place to crash. Maybe you can't make our family vacation and I'm not going to guilt you about it. Try not to take sides. Be supportive, but not judgmental. So you can ask them, please be supportive of what I'm going through. Here are some things that I'm going to need from you. But please do not judge me. Do not judge my soon-to-be former spouse. This is going to be hard enough. If you want to talk about getting through it, go talk to a mental health counselor. You want to complain about your former spouse, go talk to a mental health counselor. Okay? They will try to be helpful. Your friends and your family, you know, I don't know any of them that are going to purposely hurt you. But they're trying to help you, but they may not be, it may not be helpful. What does that, what does that look like? Trying to help you and not having it not be helpful. Totally bashing the other side. You're absolutely right. We never liked him. You should have left him earlier. That seems worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not necessarily helpful. There's actually cards, I think, on Hallmark now. Divorce cards? Yeah. Like, never liked them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, yeah, it's not 
about them. It's about you. Now you can, you can acknowledge, look, I appreciate that you're going to have emotions to this and you're worried about seeing the grandkids and you're going to want to do this, this and that. I just don't have the bandwidth to deal with those emotions right now. I can't be your support person. I need you, the parents, the friends to be my support people. Okay. And that role can get, get reversed. They might get involved in the proceedings. Right? They might be called to get deposed. Oh, right. Of course. Or they might be in the trial. We're talking like, about all this emotional stuff. And I forgot we're talking about the law. Yes. So anything you're talking to them about might come back and bite you later. So you don't necessarily want to share. You certainly don't want to overshare. I have taken depositions of parents of people getting divorced. They've been in trials. I've done cross-examinations. You want to try to leave them out of that process. And if they're true and honest, sometimes they're going to say stuff in your case that's going to hurt your case. Right? Oh, yeah, no, he always took the kids on Saturday to soccer. He's a good parent or he was a good provider. Like, if they're telling the truth, usually there are some positive things that we all have qualities for and a lot of negatives, but going through the process. So be careful about what you're telling them because they might have to repeat that in court. You can acknowledge that it's a grieving process for you and it's a grieving process for them. So just be aware. They're going to be angry. They're going to be anxious. They're going to bargain. One of the things we talked about um, in shows past is the, you know, what you should do regarding your posting to social media. Um, when you have private conversations or family group conversations are, should, should you, do you need to be worried about, or at least considerate about electronic communications that are private amongst the family? Yeah. Cause they're not private from discovery. I think that's important that that's an important thing to remember, right? That now right. suddenly you're it's not just at the next family, you know, picnic. It's anything you say over text or Facebook private group or whatever. All of it is available. All of it is what we call in the law discoverable that we might be able to get it and find it. And I cannot tell you how many text message threads that I've read. Oh. with photos. And horrible. They're terrible. And my typical question in a deposition and then in a trial, when someone sends something hateful or mean, if there's kids involved, I'll ask the parent, how is, if at all, this helpful in co-parenting with your soon-to-be former spouse? Right. Not at all. Right. Okay. I, you know, that, because that also, to me, I mean, just given the nature of electronic communications right now with family, um, I, I think that is another thing that can change that dynamic the social dynamic once you sort of find your you have to distance yourself from being as candid as you might otherwise be during the during the trial that i i imagine that could also affect relationships yes they want to be there they want you to use them as a support let's say and they want you to tell them everything or the overbearing like now they come in and they're like they're trying to cook dinner all the time and you know come on over and sometimes you just it's okay to be sad. And it's okay to say, I'm going to be sad tonight. I'm also going to be anxious. Like, 
And these are just feelings that you're having. It doesn't have to be the overwhelming of your personality, but you're allowed to say, I'm feeling sad tonight. I'm going to be okay with that. So just think about that when you're talking to them, when you're doing electronic communication, a little space for you might be not such a bad idea. Or if you're going to be around them, let's not make it all about your divorce all the time. So that that gets us through the the family part of picking of of breaking the news. Then we get to the friends. So friends, like you said before, you divide your friends. That's, now you say that you say that as if that's the only option. Is that the only option? The friends just get split. It's not the only option, especially if you're not bashing people. One thing that people don't tend to understand when someone asks them, why are you getting a divorce? You're not required to answer that question. <laughs> oh, oh, really? <laughs> right. That, yeah, that I, that's a sign of uh, uh, that's a, a, a sign of just sort of great stress when you're faced with that question, I imagine. Right. And people why forget. Why are divorce? I, I right. Yeah. So first off, very rarely will someone say, because I really messed up. Yeah, right. Right. That's just asking to bash the other side. So you can just say two people can be in love and no longer be in love. Or two people could still be in love, but it doesn't work out. Or, you know what? That's a great question. I just don't really want to talk about that. And can we just table it for some time? Yeah. Other time. Ever. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> right. Indefinitely. Or that's a great question. And that's why I'm seeing a mental health counselor. But like, but you don't have to answer it. I appreciate your concern. It's just not a topic I want to discuss. I'm not ready. Right. I'm not ready to get, go there. So there's all sorts of things you can do to not answer the question and don't feel obligated because that's people's tendency like, oh my God, I'm so sorry you're going through that. What happened? It sounds caring and concerning and being supportive. But it's not necessarily a good idea to get to the details. Well, so if we turn that question, though, I mean, I'm let's just say that it's hard to find the kind of support that you might feel like you need from your family because family baggage. And for some people, it's a best friend, best friends scenario where you actually do need some support. You need to lean on somebody. Once again, how do you position your experience with your with your friends? To, to tell them what you need and also set some very clear boundaries. Well, what you need is help getting through the process. You don't need help in fixing the relationship that's over now. So, hey, you know, this is going to be a really stressful time. I'm going to be worried about money. I'm going to be worried about seeing my kids and what the parenting plan is. I'm sure that the spouse is going to say all these hateful things in text messages. And if you say, I want to vent to you, Remember, all that stuff could come back out. But really what I need you to do is let's go out and have a nice night. Let's have a girl's night. Let's, guys, let's go to the game, whatever it is that you like to do and try to, it's difficult. It is so difficult what I'm about to say. Live your life, not your divorce. Okay. Yeah. Live your life, not your divorce. Most people live their divorce. For at least a while. Yes, certainly during the process. It consumes them. I get it. I've been through one. I have represented clients. I've been with clients preparing for a trial and depositions and not understanding the law. 
I understand and I appreciate what you're going through. But when you are at an event with your friends, there is nothing you can do on a Saturday night about your divorce. Don't live it. Enjoy the moment. Live in the moment. When you are meeting with your lawyer, be focused on that. And then when you're done, when you have your homework to do for your lawyer, be focused on that. Try not to multitask. Clear it all out. I'm going to deal with this. Don't get paralyzed by it all and keep putting it off and have it wait on you. Your lawyer's asking you for some financial documents. There's a huge list. Say, I'm going to spend an hour today. I'm going to get as much done as I can. I'm going to get it to my lawyer and then I'm going to move on. When I'm at the soccer game with my kid and my former spouse or soon to be spouse is there, I'm going to focus on my kid. Mm -hmm. I'm going to watch that game. I'm going to put down my phone. I'm not going to text a friend who's like, oh my God, I can't believe he's here. Never showed up to a game before. Now he's all of a sudden here. So what are you doing? You're not focused on your kid. Put your phone down. This I really like this uh, separating the living living your life versus living your divorce and being super clear about what you need in the divorce process. That it's it's probably okay to say you know what I really need more than just you asking me to vent my story is I need you to help me move some furniture. I need you to help me. I need some advice. Can we go look for places today? I'd like some a second set of eyes on a new place to live. That kind of the practical motions of a divorce, not the the sort of emotional stuff. Absolutely. And most people will say, well, my friends are there to emotionally support you. They can do that by helping yeah. you get through the yeah. process. It's the process that's heavy. Right. Or, hey, I- I'm working late. I- can you pick up the kids? Can they have a sleepover? I'm having a bad day. Like, I agree with you, the practical stuff. And you don't want to air your dirty laundry, right? It, you just don't know how that might come back and really bite you later. And for example, sometimes people will want the emotional support of going to talk to a lawyer. So if they come in and that lawyer lets your friend into that initial consultation that we talked about way back in one of our first episodes of here's what you should be doing, we might have a problem on attorney-client privilege. Explain that. Well, why don't we define a term from Black's Law Dictionary, and then we'll circle back on it. See how I did that, Pete? You did. That was so good. Oh, let's hit the books. Okay, defining a term from Black's Law Dictionary, 8th edition. Attorney-client privilege. The client's right to refuse to disclose and to prevent any other person from disclosing confidential communications between the client and the attorney. That's the definition. The issue is what is a confidential communication or confidential information? It's anything that you say to your lawyer or your lawyer says to you. However, you have to be careful on where it is said and how it is said. And what I mean by that If you're on your cell phone at a restaurant talking to your lawyer, that is not a confidential communication when the waiter is overhearing you because you're out in the public domain. Yeah, I heard her say this. Everybody like just because 
I was talking to my lawyer, that's not necessarily protected because you don't have a right to privacy when you're out there. So some jurisdictions will let that come in and say, yeah, this is what I heard him tell his lawyer. Others will be like, no, he was talking to his lawyer. You can't talk about that. So you have to be careful. But I will tell you this, if you bring in, in the great state of Florida, here I go, Pete, check your local jurisdiction with the lawyer that's licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. You bring a friend into that initial consultation, that is not confidential. They can ask you everything that you said to that lawyer and what your lawyer said to you, because there's a third party sitting right there. So when they have them come in, I'm like, I appreciate you being here. But if you walk into this room, nothing we say is protected under that privilege. And so one of the questions I ask when I take a deposition of a party, have you ever met with your lawyer with a third party that doesn't work at that law firm? Yep. Who was it? Oh, it was my sister. When was that? Do you have any notes from that conversation? Does your lawyer have any notes? Like now I, you've just opened the floodgates. So you really need to be careful about that. When you tell somebody else what your lawyer said, you've now potentially eliminated the attorney-client privilege. And how many texts go from one spouse to another that says, my lawyer says. So be careful what you're texting. Be careful what you're Keep it confidential. And if you're living your life and not your divorce, that helps. Hard to do, easy to say. Right, Seth, uh, working with your lawyer, what are the kinds of things that you hear, you know, supportive family and friends asking to do? And and is there anything that is in the context of being a supportive family friend that is actually okay? Of course there are. It's just how it's done and how it's documented. So a common thing is, well, I don't have money for this. Can my family lend me money for this? Or can they pay for you as a lawyer? Or can they pay my bills? So check with the lawyer in your local jurisdiction, of course. But for example, in Florida, I'm like, well, yes, they can. But let's be clear about what they're doing. Is this a gift? Is it a loan? If it's a loan, let's make sure we have a note, a piece of paper that says it's a loan at this interest rate and this is how it's going to be paid back. Right, right. Because that stuff matters in Florida. It matters, I think, everywhere. But it matters for a couple reasons. One, I think it's clear it matters because now we know whether the family or friend is giving you a gift or giving you a loan. It needs to be clear between the two of you so there's no miscommunication. And two, if you're going to court and you're saying, yeah, that was a gift and they're going to come in and testify, I gave them a gift to help them get through the divorce. This is not a regular reoccurring gift. Therefore, it's not income. Therefore, it's not part of figuring out child support. Like these will have different implications down the road, okay? Or if it's a loan, yeah, now you have a debt to pay back. So if you have a debt to pay back, maybe you can't afford alimony or maybe you need more alimony or how does that debt get divided up? It changes the calculation. It can change all the stuff on dividing assets and alimony and potentially other items, okay? And getting attorney's fees and costs paid. But most importantly is making sure it's clear between you and the person that's giving you the support. The other thing that people will try to do is they will certainly try to be there and say, well, oh, how can I help? You know, tell me everything. What can I do? And they will start talking about their lives. And well, when I got a divorce or my friend, I love these calls. Well, yeah, my friend 
got this in alimony. When I'm telling a potential client, you're, you're going to get four years of alimony, four to six years, somewhere in that range. And they say, well, my friend and that, you know, she got 12 years of alimony. And I'm like, well, have your friend try your case. They're going to do a better job than me. Yeah. There's so many different parameters. And then I'll say, well, I don't know about your friend's case. Well, it's in Kansas. Well, I don't know Kansas law. <laughs> so there's so many parameters, but my cousin is a doctor and he has a mug that says, don't replace my medical degree with your Google search. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I feel the yeah. same way. Like I, and I do not mind my clients or anyone asking me questions. Well, Seth, I don't understand. I have a friend that I think is in the same situation I am and they got a lot more alimony for a lot longer. And I'll be like, well, do you know what their standard of living was? How long their marriage? Did they give up a career to do it? What were the factors that that court considered? Did they settle the case? Did they give up any money on equitable distribution, but they got more money on that? There's so many moving parts there. And once you start asking that, then the party understands, the person talking to you understands like, okay, this might be different. Uh, it's very fact uh, intensive. So. Also, I think it's important to realize that when you're going through this and dealing with your lawyer and talking to your friends, this is all consuming. That's why we're saying try to live your life, not your divorce. You are going to be thinking about this all of the time. You would be surprised about how little amount of time your friends actually think about you and your problem. <laughs> Is it is it a fraction of the time that they're spending right in front of you? It might be. It might be even a little less unless they're gossiping with their friends. But they have their own stuff, yeah. their own problems. So maybe they'll come home and talk to their spouse or their girlfriend and they'll talk about it for 10 minutes at whenever. But it is really amazing about how little we all think about others that we truly care about. Okay. Your parents might be a little bit different, you know, but if they're elderly and they've got a doctor's appointment and a surgery coming up, that's going to take up space in their brain, not necessarily what you're going through. So don't necessarily think that everyone when they see you is automatically thinking, oh my God, she's going through a divorce. I've been thinking about that. for." They haven't been thinking about it all week. They're thinking about it now because you walked up and you said hello or you texted them something or you brought it to front of mind. So I think the other thing about working with your lawyer and how other people get involved is a lot to do with you taking control of your surroundings. And what I mean by that is when people start saying, well, what does your lawyer say? Um, just back off of it. Say, you know, I'm working through it with them. or I'm a little confused. I'm going to set an appointment with them. Or they say procedurally, the case might be over by when. But if they start asking like, well, how much are you going to get? Or what about the kids? What's the typical thing? The answers regarding the lawyer, if you're going to say anything is, yeah, I feel good. I can get a hold of them. They know what they're talking about. They're giving me clear directions. When I have questions, I know who in the office to talk to. That type of stuff is a way to let people know like, hey, you're doing okay. And if you aren't getting those things, then you need to set an appointment with your lawyer and say, I don't feel like we're communicating. 
I don't feel like I'm getting what I need from you as my attorney and, and have a frank conversation with your lawyer. But that's the person to have the frank conversation with, not with your friends and saying, well, I think it could be this. I think it could be that. It sounds like don't be surprised when you're working with your lawyer and your lawyer says exactly what you just said to me. You're going to need to back off some of your, your friend relationships. They're going to want to be supportive and you're going to need to back off. It's not that you're backing off. I'm not saying that you don't lean on your friends, but it's how you do it. I think your point is excellent. I really need help with the kids or, you know, can you come over and let's go shopping? Or we, like we had Jane, Jamie on about getting new furniture. Like, hey, I'm getting new furniture. You want to come help me? I think that's a brilliant suggestion and, and kind of go from there. Or, hey, I, I'm working out a different carpool or I'm married. I don't own the house. I have to move out. Let's go look at places with me. I think those types of useful, practical step-by-step to get you through the process is a great way to leave on your lean on your friends, not airing all your dirty laundry. Hey, friend, buy me pizza. That's it. Maybe That's a couple it. beers. That's the only one. <laughs> That's all you need. That's all you need. Uh, okay, uh, how about this? Uh, working with your family and working with your lawyer. What if you have a member of the family who is also a family lawyer? Uh, would you consider bringing them on to represent you in this process? Or if they're like a good friend and they want to hire your, like if I have a good friend who wants to hire me or a family member that wants to hire yeah, me as their yeah. divorce lawyer. Right. Would you take it? Oh, yeah. They get the friend and family rate. <laughs> that's not, I even know that's not a thing. It is a thing. Seriously? It's double, it's double my normal rate. <laughs> it's terrible. They think that they can have access to you 24 seven. That whatever you do is not going to be good enough. It never ends well. Yeah. Okay. Because you're mixing in what I've told you time and time again. I'm not your friend. I'm your lawyer. So I've had really good friends. Like, mm, I'll be like, I'll do it. But we might not be friends after this. (laughs) Because (laughs) I'm going to be your lawyer. And I'm going to tell you what you need to know, not what you want to hear. Yeah. Okay. And also, it's very dangerous to have a friend who is a lawyer on a Monday morning quarterback. They do not have all the answers. When you're at a mediation, which we're going to talk about at another episode down the road, and you walk out with a deal, they're going to be like, what? Like, the mediation is such about how you get there and, and, and why it ended up being what it ended up being was a lot of the process at mediation. And when you just see the end result, Right. They're going to like say, really, that that's a terrible deal. It's so easy to armchair. That. Yeah, it's so easy. So a good friend and a good lawyer will say, look, if you want me to be your friend and be a sounding board, fine. If, if something doesn't sound right, like on the process, fine. But you need to be clear on what hat you are wearing. Mm-hmm. And that's very difficult with your friends and your uh, family. Now, I've represented friends. Um, but during that process, I've made it very clear. I'm your lawyer. I'm not going to be your friend. And let's just be very, we have to stay in that lane. Yeah. And then if they say, well, hey, let's, let's go out for a drink. I said, okay, I'm happy to. We're not discussing your case, correct? And they'll be like, nope, we're not talking about it. We're just going to go watch the game. Okay. Yeah. I'll That's do okay. that. Yeah. Right. Be careful with that. But I appreciate it. That's a good question. 
So Pete, yeah, I've gotten some very nice responses to how to split a toaster. So great. Yeah. And it's been, hey, this is so helpful. I'm sorry I didn't leave a review. I don't want anyone to know I'm thinking about this or going through this. So we get it. We that appreciate was, we'll, it. We'll say that was an unintended consequence of asking for reviews. It's just not a thing that occurred to us initially. <laughs> right. Oh, please put on a review. And, right. Yeah. And so uh, if you are listening and this is being helpful and you are not comfortable leaving a five-star review because you don't want people to know that you're listening to the show, we understand. We appreciate that. Just please share the show with others once you get to the point where you're comfortable doing so. Also, if you have any questions, Pete, I know we're setting up how they can ask questions because I'm getting a lot of text and and questions and people say, well, what about this idea for a show? And it's been very helpful because we are here to serve you. We are here to try to make this process more understandable and work on saving your relationships while you're going through it. So we want to hear from you. Um, so Pete, why don't you tell them the best way that they can get a hold of us? Well, we are uh, in the process of putting a, a a handy button, a button up on the website over at nelsoncoster.com. You can uh, head over there, uh, look at the podcast page, and you'll see a button that says, ask a question to the toaster. And uh, we will uh, go ahead. It'll just pop up a little form. You can anonymous, anonymously submit your question and we'll get it and put it in the queue. Uh, we we truly appreciate you uh, taking the time to do that. NelsonCoster.com. Uh, just look for the podcast page, and uh, we'll we'll take your questions. So thank you everybody for downloading, and listening to this show. Uh, at at its root, that's what we want more than anything else. Even if you don't share it with a single person, we just appreciate your time uh, getting something out of this show. On behalf of Seth Nelson, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next week right here on How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships. Seth Nelson is an attorney with Nelson Coster Family Law and Mediation with offices in Tampa, Florida. While we may be discussing family law topics, how to split a toaster is not intended to, nor is it providing legal advice. Every situation is different. If you have specific questions regarding your situation, please seek your own legal counsel with an attorney licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. Pete Wright is not an attorney or employee of Nelson Coster. Seth Nelson is licensed to practice law in Florida.